Welcome to Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. In this bonus episode, we will be publishing an interview conducted with Dr. Stephen H. Hankey. Dr. Hankey is a professor of applied economics and founder and co-director of the Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, and the Study of Business Enterprise at the Johns Hopkins University. We reached out to Dr. Hankey to discuss the Hankey Misery Index, a combination of four factors that attempt to summarize the amount of misery present based on economic conditions. You can learn more about Utah Foundation's report on the Utah Misery Index and how it compares to other states in our previous episode. But our discussion went beyond the index. Utah Foundation is publishing additional segments of this conversation as a bonus podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to Dr. Hankey as much as we did. Can you give us an indication of maybe the trajectory of your career and how it kind of manifests itself the way it did? So I think the best way to do a trajectory is kind of non-linear. So it's a, it's a little bit hard to get, get your head around it. But I think if you put it like, it's like a three-legged stool. One aspect has been academic, and, and that is I enrolled uh, at the University of Colorado, got a bachelor's degree, loved Colorado, loved Boulder, stayed on, finished a PhD in economics. And a lot of that work was at the time concentrated on water resources and natural resources in general. And at the time, I was a graduate student starting my second year, actually, uh, I was scheduled to be the, the chief teaching assistant at the University of Colorado for all the TAs and principles of economics courses. And right before the semester was to begin, the chairman of the economics department called me in and said, well, the, the fellow who taught economics at the Colorado School of Mines, not the University of Colorado, the Inter Colorado School of Mines, had had a fatal heart attack and they were desperate. They needed somebody to teach economics at the Colorado School of Mines. And the position was a, a tenure track position. It, it was a good position, actually paid more than the assistant professors were receiving at the University of Colorado. So I, I didn't think I could do it because I was only a second year student taking a full load of courses. But the chairman convinced me that I could do it. And so I did do it. And, and it was a great opportunity because that fit in with my graduate work in a way, because as I was told by Professor Garnsey, who was the chairman of the department, I'd learn a lot of economics by teaching it at the Colorado School of Mines. Well, I did. And, and I taught the first course in petroleum economics and the first course in mineral economics that had ever been taught at the School of Mines. I edited a couple books on petroleum economics. It was just a great experience, great students and everything else. And then I finished my PhD at the University of Colorado. It was measuring the demand for urban water. It was an econometric study in which I measured the effect of moving from a situation where you had a marginal price of zero, that's a flat rate system with no water meters or anything. That's, that's what we had in Boulder at the time before I started my work. And then they installed meters and, 
and the engineers said, oh, this, this won't affect water use at all, putting the meters in it, having a positive price. Well, it did affect it. I measured it very accurately. And, and that turned out to be a real nugget for me because it was kind of the second generation of studies in which water demand in an urban setting had been measured. The first big study that was ever done was done at Johns Hopkins in what was then the Department of Sanitary Engineering. And they did a big cross-section study. So it was all, all samples from all over the United States and cross-sectionally. Mine was time series, measuring that water use over time, you had a flat rate, zero price, then you put in a meter with a positive price, we see what's going on over time. It turned out that Johns Hopkins wanted to continue that type of research. And I happened to be really the only one in the United States that fit the bill. So I got the job at Johns Hopkins and, and that's where I've been. I, I'm the most senior professor at the university. Now I'm in my 53rd year at Johns Hopkins. So I, I've also, in addition to that three-year stint I had at the Colorado School of Mines, I uh, was on the faculty at the University of California at Berkeley for a year, but that, that didn't suit me, so I came back to Johns Hopkins. <laughs> so that's the academic leg. That gives you some color on that. The other thing is business and trading. You mentioned trading soybeans. Actually, I, I, I first started learning how to hedge when I was about 10, hedging eggs. I was doing that with my grandfather in Iowa. But the trading part of things kind of lapsed while I was a student because I was too busy either taking classes or teaching or one, one thing or another. But basically trying to avoid flunking out of the University of Colorado when I started. In, in those days, great inflation had hit. So the freshmen at the University of Colorado, they had open enrollment for in-state students. So anyone who had received a high school degree could enter. So a lot of people entered. They had too many students. So they had a rule. Everyone had to take freshman English and freshman math. In those classes, the instructors in each class were required to flunk with a letter grade F, 50% of the students. So when I entered as a freshman in 1960 and took freshman math and freshman English, this old country boy was sweating it. I received a C in both of those courses, the best grades I ever got in my life because I, I didn't flunk out. So at any rate, back to the trading thing. In 1985, uh, Albert Freeberg had seen an article that I'd written in Barron's Magazine and thought we were thinking the same way. And Albert had the biggest trading firm, something called a commission merchant, basically trading in the futures market, foreign currencies, precious metals, commodities, that sort of thing invited me up to Toronto. We had lunch. We did hit it off. We were on the same page. And I became the chief economist at Freeburg Commodity Management, where, where I'm an emeritus chairman now. But at that time, it was pretty exciting because the first trade I was involved in, I, I predicted that OPEC, I had a little simple plain vanilla model I developed for the oil market, OPEC. This was in late 1985, and I predicted that OPEC would collapse and oil would go below $10 a barrel. So we, we were, we had very big position, short positions in oil on the basis of that. In fact, it turned out we had about 70% of, of all the short interest in London. So we had huge positions. And of course, OPEC did collapse 
and the price of oil did go below $10 a barrel. It didn't stay there very long, but it did go below $10 a barrel. So that was the start of a lot of kind of spectacular trades and, and a very interesting and exciting collaboration with Friedberg. One aspect of that is that we set up a, a fund in Buenos Aires, the Toronto Trust Argentina Fund. And, and that fund in 1995 was actually the best performing fund in the world. And I was the president of that fund. So, so there've been a lot of, I would say the academic side, I used an opportunity I got lucky, and as I always like to say, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I, and I ended up at Johns Hopkins, which is, you know, I think one of the greatest universities in the world. And the same with Friedberg's. The trading thing, I, I lucked out again. And then I've had a whole variety of advisory positions I've had with various presidents all around the world, as, as well as ministers. And, and those have led to in particular, a lot of money doctoring, currency reforms that have stopped hyperinflation. So maybe the most famous one is Bulgaria. I, I was a President Stoyanov's advisor and we put a currency board in in 1997 in July and that stopped the hyperinflation that was roaring away at 242% per month. It stopped it immediately. And, and it's still in place in Bulgaria after 20, going into the 26 years since that currency board has been in place, they have the second lowest debt to GDP ratio of any country in Europe. It's, it's about 20% of GDP. The debt in the United States, is, it's about 100% of GDP. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. So the, the second leg is the business and, and markets. The third leg is kind of this advisory uh, role yeah, that you I, I would say right? I would, it's kind of what I'd call active political economy. And, and I've done that on the advice of Mrs. Hank. All the advisory thing, I don't do it as a consultant. It's all pro bono. I finance the thing myself. So that's worked very well because you have a lot of trust and credibility associated with your relationship with a leader. If he knows you're, you're not just a bag man and, and you're going to tell him what you think, not what you think a you know a bag man would think he he'd have to say to to not ruffle feathers and to get paid. Well, hey, uh, thank you so much for your time today, uh, Doctor. I really appreciate talking to you. I'm in awe by uh, by your three-legged stool and all the stuff you've done over time. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to a conversation between Utah Foundation President Sean Teigen and Johns Hopkins University Professor Steve Henke on Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. For more information about the Misery Index, the 2022 Quality of Life series, and other Utah Foundation research, please visit utahfoundation.org.